Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is for Fox's sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox's Sake. My name is Pete Selby and uh, welcome to episode 96 of For Fox's Sake. Uh, we're approaching that ever magical and elusive 100 episode. And uh, I can't wait for the 100 episode, mainly because we've got nothing sorted for it whatsoever, but uh, we will do at some point. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm in for Fox 8 HQ and Rob Hayes is somewhere else. So first of all, better touch base with Rob. Rob, hello. Good evening, Pete. That 100th anniversary, 100th episode, centenary, whatever you want to call it, it's not getting any closer. I think for the last four or five episodes, you've said, welcome to for Fox 8 episode 90 something. We're nearly at 100. We're still nearly at 100. It's still it's still nearly a hundred. Yeah, we're not we're not closer. We're not closer yet. Uh, we're not closer to unlocking the key to the hundredth episode, and neither are Leicester closer to unlocking the key to this young side to getting established Premier League performances week in week out. And we've been away for a while. We uh, we haven't been in the same vicinity. So again, we're going to catch up on a few games. First of all, let's just say thanks to the listeners. Um, again, we try and keep up to date. We try and keep it as weekly as possible. But everyone out there knows how difficult it is with, you know, modern life trying to get in the same place at the same time. But uh, you know, we do try and keep up to date as much as we can, and uh, we aim for at least one a week. And uh, when we can't, we, you know, hold our hands up in the air. But um, hopefully, you're enjoying it, and the viewing figures are high. So once again, make sure you pass the word about for Fox Sake around, especially with that hundredth episode approaching. Um, Basically, you can access it on all your main podcast apps. Apple, Apple really is the main one, the iTunes and all that sort of thing. But it is on SoundCloud as well. And it's also available if you go to Facebook and also on Twitter at FFSPod. But that's much of a muchness. We've done that before, so we'll just mention it once again. If you want to get in contact with the podcast, I'll mention that. Fox8podcast at gmail.com. But the games we've got to go over are Bournemouth and also... Uh, the game recently at home to Huddersfield and then the, the win against Wolves. So we'll quickly breeze by them because we do have, obviously, to go through the game at the weekend against Newcastle that we have uh, coming up. It was a... When you have a team, there was a photo. I think I think what we can do, Rob, um, if, you, if you agree, is that we can actually cover these games in one. So we don't just do one game. We, we kind of cover them all in relation to each game itself. And there was a photo taken, which I think it was Ben Chilwell who retweeted it on his Twitter feed or Instagram or whatever, um, where they, I think it was when Madison scored the free kick at home to Huddersfield. And there was people jumping on each other and that sort of thing and the crowd in the background. And it was a very telling photo because every single player in the photo, and there's about seven first teamers who were on the pitch at that time, and each player was about 23 or under. And I think you have to remember every now and again that Leicester do have an extremely young side. Apart from the top and bottom of the side with obviously 
Schmeichel, Morgan, and then probably Vardy up top. It's a very, very young side. And each player, seven of them jumping each other, all 21, 22 or 23. And they're going to throw the odd wobbly in every now and again. Now, I'm not saying that's an excuse for the performance away at Bournemouth. But it's an excuse for the performance away at Bournemouth. Yeah, can you expect players that are still effectively learning their trade? Some of them, well, most of them have only got a couple of years max experience in the Premier League and certainly very few of them playing week in, week out. Uh, So can you forgive them an off day? Yes. Was being 4-0 down towards the end of the game against Bournemouth a completely fair reflection of the pattern of the game? No. Um, would a team with a bit more nous about it, a bit more experience, have maybe managed the game differently or 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 not been in that position in the first place? Possibly. But Claude Puel was brought into this club with a remit. Change this... Well, get establish a new style of play. Recruit exciting young players. He's got a track record of doing it before. He is doing that now. Does it work to go and buy or bring through a load of people in their late teens, early 20s, and then you go and win 38 games out of 38 in the Premier League and win it? Absolutely no, it doesn't. Um, Is it an excuse? I, I, I completely agree with the way you just summed it up. No, it's not an excuse, but yes, also it's an excuse. Just talking of excuses on the Bournemouth game, I enjoyed that... Um, uh, Rob Dorset from Sky Sports decided to tweet that he'd heard through Sky sources, and we all know how fairly reliable they are, that the Leicester players were a bit peeved that they had to get the bus down to Bournemouth instead of flying. Yes, and I, that saw, could possibly, I saw that. Yeah. yeah, and that could possibly have been a reason that they weren't in the right frame of mind to play a football match. And Harry Maguire just tweets back saying fake news. Really, I, I enjoyed that because it's... Social media is a bit hit and miss for players, and they're obviously they go through a lot more training than they did five years ago that, when that, social media really started true. booming. And of course, Maguire is very good on it, but I think we have to reiterate the fact that we're not trying to apologise or to give excuses for the four nil four two defeat it was in the end. Yes, there were two late goals, but how Bournemouth may be switched off at the end. But what we're trying to emphasise is that the team when they're this young, they will have poor performances it's no excuse you know we, we are not apologetic yes we we are kind of more sympathetic compared to maybe not other podcasts but um other maybe fans or or, or to what the, the main narrative might be on possible social media but I think what we have to say is that because we have this young team they are going to lose at places like Bournemouth who if they do turn up which they did and they do play to the best of their ability again which they did then we are going to get beat. It's 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 not uh, a place that you can go and play 75-80% and expect to get a, a point or a win. You need to be on your game at Bournemouth or else they will score goals. That's one thing that since they've got promoted into the Premier League, they have done compared to a lot of clubs who do get promoted. They score goals and they can hurt you. Yes, they will concede and I think 4-2 really does reflect that. But we're not apologising for the defeat and we're not saying... It's going to happen every single week or it's going to happen all the time because of a young side. But you have to allow for the fact that sometimes you just might get turned over by a more Premier League savvy side in terms of a team who have been there, done that 
and also have a have a core element to a side who have done that. When at Leicester, you have to say at the moment they don't have that. Yes, they've got the experienced side, but when you look at the more at the players who are going to do the damage, those three behind Vardy, they're not there. They really aren't. Yeah, no apologies, uh, no excuses, but uh, just a request uh, and just to sort of encourage people to take it in the context that it was in. It was the first bad result of the season, let's be perfectly honest, um, against a team that were in form and in, I think, the top six or the top eight uh, before before the, the match started, before last, last weekend's um, or the weekend before's, before's game. So no mugs. Um, not an easy place to go regardless of what form they're in uh, and the first bad result of the season. I think that's that's all we need to say on that. But it was the it was exactly the right kind of game uh, back at the King Power a week a week later. Huddersfield coming there, good opportunity for Leicester to get back on the horse, if you like, or back on the bike or whatever saying or analogy you want to use. Um, bounce we'll go, straight we'll go a back. horse on that one. Yeah, horse. You you like your horse racing, don't you? Also, it's the um, correct analogy as well. Well, yeah, but if you, it's well, yeah, it probably is. Yeah, you're right. I, I, yeah, um, yeah, we'll go with horse. But it was it was the right kind of game to come along. Um, although, if you'd have asked me after five or six minutes when when they scored from a set piece, is this the kind of game you wanted following a four two defeat to Bournemouth and going one nil down to to Huddersfield inside five minutes at home? I'd have I'd have had a, a different. A different viewpoint. What, but what percentage of fans had their head in their hands after five minutes when that ball hit the net? Oh, it went so so quiet. Honestly, it it sapped the energy out of the place because I think the fans, by and large, were like that had written off the the Bournemouth game in their heads as well, and they were like, "Come on, we'll get behind the lads." The Birch got everyone rallied up as he always does, uh, and the atmosphere was quite good first couple of minutes, um, but it didn't last. Very long, see, see, but then again, I, I wasn't there. We, we reacted you, you, quite well. You were there. You you were there. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. You were there. Obviously, I wasn't. I was standing watching uh, egg chasing for basically two games in the afternoon. What a great way to earn a living when Leicester are playing at home. But you, when obviously I've got the scores coming up and I've seen the game in its entirety afterwards, I managed to uh, to watch it um, through one way or another. And um, and basically, when when they scored, you could almost hear the. the the, the the whisper of all oh, bloody hell basically from from the king power um but thankfully obviously the game didn't pan out that way but uh, it it was I won't say a rude awakening but it it, it was a, a basically a kick up the backside to say look we know what's happened the week before you can't be off your guard today and take it for granted yeah uh, and and the fact that it was a disappointing way to concede because nobody won the first header de Poitre might have got a little um, glance on it. He was he was a big lad, by the way. It was it was difficult for him to do uh, for for Leicester to deal with him his physicality at times. Shame he can't finish for Huddersfield's sake. Um, but we didn't win the first header, and then we didn't react quick enough to the second ball. And if you're not doing either of those things in your box, it doesn't matter if you're playing in in the whichever of the top four leagues in in England. You you're gonna concede a goal like that. Um, but I think we reacted. In the right way, it was. It, it, we didn't need a wake up call, but it but it woke Leicester up into a gear, into an extra gear, uh, and it almost played against Huddersfield really because they felt they had to sit even more than they probably planned to do. They probably planned to sit 
keep things tight, maybe catch one on the counter middle of the second half and then try and see the game out. But scoring so early meant that their game plan was very obvious very early and a lot of the time they were fully 11 men behind the ball. It can work against you, can't it? Scoring too early. I'd, I, I've, I've just not, uh, 10 minutes earlier, spoken to a Derby fan who uh, was referring to the goal against Manchester United to take them 2-1 up with nine minutes to go. And he, he, he turned around and said, we scored it actually five minutes too early, really. You know, we wanted to do it nearer 90 minutes. I know you can't argue with a goal at Old Trafford, but it's almost what happened to Huddersfield at Leicester. They they scored early on and, right, we're in the game, we've got a goal, but we're actually not really going to change our plan and we're just going to wait for Leicester to come on to us. Yeah, and you've got to say, look, Leicester turned it around and the three goals that we scored were absolutely superb. The, the counter-attack... Uh, for the first one, initially I looked for the flag because I wasn't sure Vardy made the right decision to play it to Ian Atro to run on to, but it, it transpired that he was level or just behind the ball as it was played, so that was fine. But we cut through them so quickly. Um, yeah, OK, they, they should probably have been better organised and, and defended, well, prevented the counter-attack considering it was their own corner that it came from. But then Madison's free kick, arguably the keeper, for me, should have done a little bit better, a better keeper gets more on that, but he's connected very well with it and he practices them a lot. Um, so he deserves that to go in. Uh, and then Vardy's finish at the end, it was three goals of, of quality and it was job done against a team that were very deliberately parking several buses in the way. Big, physical, mobile team, Huddersfield. Not easy for our nippier, trickier players to get the room and if they did get the room keep their shins um at times but it was it was a professional performance actually which which you probably wouldn't have said about the game 7 days ago we 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 let them off as youngsters um allow allowing them a bad day at Bournemouth um could they afford to have another one at Huddersf- uh, get at home to Huddersfield probably not if they wanted to keep people off their backs or wanted to prove that they were better than that defeat at Bournemouth so it was the right character to to not get your head down after the first five minutes. Quality goals proving what good footballers we've got and how they stuck to their task of playing through a team that were very deliberately there to stop them from doing so. Yeah, they, they weren't very good at all, were they, Huddersfield? And, and Leicester played well, I agree with you. The goals they scored were, were very good and they got the expected three points, which most of the King Power crowd, possibly some in the away end as well, would have probably expected Leicester to get. And... Uh, it was a lovely finish by Vardy. Madison had uh, basically showcased what he was going to do earlier on on Sky Sports during the week and on Soccer AM as well. And it, it was it was a good performance. It was nice to see Iniacho, um play up front or in a forward position, you would say, with obviously Vardy up top. And we swiftly move on to the game against Wolves, to which you start with the injury to Gray. Now... Because of Gray's injury, I'd imagine that Iniacho will probably be given more of a starting role up top in those three forward positions behind Vardy, whether they're more advanced or they're interchangeable. That happens during the game or or maybe slightly beforehand. We'll have to wait and see. But um, I've been an advocate for Iniacho starting because he's going to score your goals. He's the one natural finisher in the side away from Vardy that we have. The three players behind Madison will get your goals from long distance. He's got a great shot on him and a dead ball specialist we've seen against Huddersfield. The two wide men, which have normally been either well Gray and, 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 and Gazelle as well, 
that they they either just coming into the Premier League or Gray. I've always had my doubts, and I, I've always said I just generally don't think he's a good enough player. He has played well, but in terms of end product, in terms of crossing, in terms of goal scoring, I don't think he has it. And if the chance comes for Iniacho, he's going to be a better finisher nine times out of ten than a Gray, for example. So it might. I'm not saying it will will work to Leicester's advantage, but for the team, I would like to see go forward. I'd ever, I'd ever want any player on any any team to get injured, but the fact that obviously Gray will now be out for what they reckon three to six weeks because it's not maybe as bad as they initially thought. Um, it will give Iniacho a run in the side now. If Gray comes back from the injury and gets into the side alongside Iniacho and Madison behind Vardy, brilliant, and that's what I want to see. But hopefully, this now gives a chance for Iniacho to get a run in that side in a position which is not natural for him. It's normally the number nine, the centre forward, he's not going to play that because of Vardy, but I think he's decent in those places behind, and in terms of being decent, I think he's probably the best option that we have in those places behind Vardy, apart from Madison, who's always going to be the number 10, even though he is young in terms of years and experience, and he's not going to do what he did against Huddersfield, who I think are by far probably the worst team in the Premier League, and I include Cardiff in that um, he's going to have the space against Huddersfield and he, he took advantage he needs to learn how to do that when he doesn't have the space that's what he needs to grow up and, and learn and he's only going to do that through game time and we will give him you know his dues on that but I just hope this really kickstarts Iniacho he looked confident when he took the penalty um, but how good was Danny Ward yeah uh, he I mean if you spend double figures uh, on a on a backup goalkeeper, you expect him to be half decent, but I don't think. Uh, I mean, the pressure's off for goalkeepers in in penalty shootouts, isn't it? If if you save one, then you've done well, but the the penalty taker is expected to score because at the end of the day, it's a professional footballer kicking a ball at a goal from twelve yards out. They should be able to hit the target uh, and hit the back of the net. But he made some outrageous saves. To be perfectly honest, uh, uh, we. Uh, in our careers, Pete, we've we've taught a lot of, of commentary and a lot of budding commentators uh, and very much discouraged the use of the word unbelievable because if it happens in front of your eyes, then it is believable because it's real. Um, it was unbelievable though, weren't it? It was it was unbelievable. <laughs> uh, no, it was it was um, it was very very impressive. He looked very calm and composed. He didn't go mad after after saving them and get too pumped up. He was very much in the zone. He knew exactly what he was capable of. He did his job, and then he put on social media afterwards that the um, the heroes for him were the ones that that scored the penalties for Leicester. But uh, I'm sorry, Mister Ward, but goalkeepers that save three penalties in a shootout are heroes for it's, me. They are, they are, and, and and I agree with you. It was the way he did it. A bit like Casper on penalties, and we know what Casper's done, not only for Leicester, but also for Denmark in, in the World Cup, for example. But very calm, very collected, but also no celebrating at the end. And I think that speaks more about him rather than just a penalty saver. We, we've not seen him an awful lot in a Leicester shirt. He didn't have a lot to do against Fleetwood at home in the previous round. But it really does show the mentality of the guy. And you're looking forward to thinking this could be the guy if Schmeichel moves on to another club or eventually if Ward takes over the number one jersey, then this is going to be the guy who's going to be our main goalkeeper. 
and it shows you that upstairs there's a very calm and collected person there, which is, you have to say, is a good thing. Who knows whether he's going to be a good goalkeeper for Leicester. This could be a flash in the pan. I remember Peggy Arfex had saving penalties galore when we got some, through to the to the League Cup final and, and ended up winning it. Um, There's a, a number of penalty shootouts. I think we played Fulham and we beat them. I remember we played Arsenal at home and we beat them on a penalty shootout. And, and Arfex had was, uh, was key to those victories. So you never know what kind of goalkeeper Danny Ward might become. And double-figure odds for, or double-figure valuation, should I say, for a, for a goalkeeper, yes, we spent a bit of money. But it seems that we've got a very level-headed guy. Um, very calm, very confident. And that only has to be a good thing. On the overall performance, I think we played well. I think we had the, the majority of the ball and also we created the opportunities. But there's been a number of changes with the Leicester team. If you look at the three games overall... We're always going to make changes to the game against Wolves. But if you look at the three games, Bournemouth, Huddersfield, Wolves, we've made a lot of changes in a lot of different positions. Now, we've made changes for two reasons. One, to give game time and to rest players. And secondly, because of players not playing well. You have to say Ricardo has, has disappointed against uh, Bournemouth and then he's been dropped for the game against Huddersfield and Armati's come in played well. But we said when we played Fleetwood, and I know it's only Fleetwood, that we had a really good second eleven at Leicester. And I don't think you can say it's a second eleven. There's going to be players who are in front of others. And I think that's how you have to put it. They are in front of them in terms of their position. But if there's any slight drop in form or a bit of a ricket, like, say, Ricardo at Bournemouth, then someone will come in straight away. You're not given two or three games to get over that. No, there's someone behind you who's just as good. And I quite like that at Leicester. I like the fact that in time this season, if things go the way they are going, players will realise that if they don't perform, they are instantly dropped because we have players in the side who are just as good behind them. And they will realise that it's nothing against them. That's just the nature of a very competitive football club. And then eventually, will a first team emerge? I think it kind of has at the moment, or the basis of one, especially, say, in midfield, with the likes of Mendy and Ibora being ahead of... Uh, sorry, uh, Silver and Ibora being behind Mendy and Ndidi. It shows you that we do have that basis of a first team, but if one thing happens, a £22 million fullback who started very well in a Leicester shirt, having a bit of a stinker against Bournemouth, Straight away, you're at home to Huddersfield, a game you're expected to start, expected to start at fullback and get forward against one of the lesser teams in the Premier League. No, you're not in the side, you're dropped. We'll bring in Armati. And hopefully that shakes them up and it keeps them all on their toes. And I think it will. Yeah, there's arguments for and against the so-called, and I put it in inverted commas, tinkering of Claude Puel. But what he's essentially doing is he's looking back at previous performance or performances he's looking ahead to the to the way that he thinks he can best unpick the forthcoming opposition and then he looks at his squad and he goes wow i've got 25 quality players at my disposal here you say yeah there are certain players at the moment who are in front of other players based on current form but it's not like any player in the so-called, in what you'd consider the first 11, or maybe the first 15, you, you, he's sort of tinkering three or four um, here and there. There is no player in that team whatsoever 
that is absolutely safe and that is a very healthy position to be in because look uh, Kelechi Iheanacho in and out of the starting lineup but he has is helping and will continue to help take the pressure off of Jamie Vardy as the only player that has an outlet for us up front because Iheanacho has the opportunity even if he's playing behind Vardy tactically he he still makes those runs beyond him he still shares the load of the running Ibora absolutely ran the show at Molyneux on um, on Tuesday night uh, and most most Leicester fans named him their man of the match. He wasn't even in the match day squad for the Premier League game against Huddersfield. Yes, Ndidi and Mendy are in there on merit. And yes, Silva probably gives you a different option to them uh, as the midfielder on the bench in terms of uh, a little bit more creativity and forward thinking than than maybe uh, Vicente Ibora. But that's a three-time Europa League winner on the bench, currently in form uh, uh, as proved on Tuesday night. Ricardo, uh, maybe what we've said in in our first few weeks of watching him in a Leicester shirt that he's equally as good at right back and, and right wing is is maybe a, a little uh, early to be saying that based on his based on his Bournemouth performance. We've got carried we away. We won't know for another yeah, but we won't know for another 10, 15, 20 games of watching him what what he's really like because let's be honest, he's still adapting to the Premier League and fair play for, for that. But Ben Chilwell just got himself, himself an England cap. Proving now turning potential into quality. Look who's waiting in the wings. Yes, he's leaving at the end of the season, but he's a consummate professional, Christian Fuchs. Uh, Danny Ward has done himself no harm whatsoever with his penalty heroics. Um, that'll keep that'll keep Michael on his toes. Absolutely. Every single player in that team is on their toes. You couldn't have said that. Uh, maybe in at the earlier stage of Claude Puel's reign or just before that, there were players that you could guarantee would be on that team sheet week after week, regardless of level of performance. Claude Puel has come in and for whatever you want to say about his personality, although I think he's been more animated and more um, humorous and relatable in the media this season, whether that's a conscious thing or not, I'm not sure. But whatever you say about his personality, the man has got the balls to drop the club captain, Wes Morgan. Did that. Everyone was like, oh my goodness me, what's going on? Didn't play particularly well. Tried somebody else. Didn't work. Morgan comes back in. Absolutely fine. If if he thinks that someone could do a better job against a certain team than somebody else, I don't care who they are. He's the gaffer. He's building something. Let him do it and let him get on with it because our squad is that good. It's interesting though. You mentioned obviously with Wes he was he was missing because of the sending off etc which most of it really was down to maguire but um interested regarding um Sochoyu, the 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 guy that was signed for 18 million and he's struggling at the moment with the language and i think it's communication on the field rather than off the field um you know you can get by and you know you'd be paid an awful lot of money so at the end of the day um, you're going to be okay, and he'll gradually learn. But I think it's the communication on the field that's been reported is the problem, and he doesn't want to throw him in to a Premier League game or whatever at the moment because of that, and and that will grow, and we'll see what happens and whether they go to a three at the back. Um, but I completely agree. Um, I, th- I think playing devil's advocate, you have to say we've obviously been successful in the past with having a settled side, so it would be nice for them to have you know a first team eleven. And I think we have the spine of it already, like I mentioned. But it's it's not a bad thing, I don't think, at the moment. I think it keeps, and also it keeps everyone having a game as well. You know, you don't want players just to be playing in the League Cup or just to be playing, say, in the Premier League. You want to have this competitiveness, but 
it's a very fine-edged sword, a double-edged sword. One side, you have the fact that people go, well, I'm playing okay and getting dropped every now and again, and I should be an established first-team player. But on the flip side, you don't really have an established player in that position because people aren't performing week in, week out, and you're chopping and changing. And then it maybe becomes apparent that the manager doesn't actually know his first team, his best team. So there are question marks thrown around. You know, we're under no illusions that we are going for that seventh place in the league. And I still think we're well on course for that position if we're good enough. And if we're good enough, we'll get there. And if we're not, we're not. But at the moment... There's nothing drastically wrong. There were alarm bells for me with people saying, obviously, after the performance against Bournemouth, and if we do lose at home against Huddersfield, then Puel will be good for the chop. And there was a few news stories around. It's a very easy thing to write about on a Monday or a Tuesday regarding Claude Puel. But, again, it wasn't like they were saying Puel is under pressure. It was, he's gone. And I'm not saying all journalists are right or by any means, but they were all along the same wavelength that Puel is under pressure and he will go if they were to lose, say, against Huddersfield. And I'm under no illusion that that was, wouldn't be the case because he's got a very expensive side, a good squad, very expensive squad, and he needs to perform. So, yes, Leicester are doing okay. We're through to the next round of the Cup. We're in a decent league position. I think overall out of 10... Yeah, here's a question, Rob... Out of ten, I've got my figure right now, and it can't. It's got to be a full number. You can't. You can't get halves or quarters. What rating would you give Leicester right now for the season? So you 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 determine this on performances, on on players being selected and the manager's performance in terms of results in a league position, and also how we've got through, which we have obviously to. The fourth round of the couple is it the fifth round now? The draw stupidly is on a Saturday night at nine o'clock on Quest. Whoever thought of that needs shooting instantly. But overall, what would you give Leicester so far this season out of ten? I think trying to take everything into account, including realistic expectation levels, um, play along at home as well. Think of a number yeah. right now. Yeah, do it. Do it in your head. Um, I'm just trying to verbalise how I've got to this number, and and as as uh, loyal listeners to For Fox Sake will know, we very rarely plan much, if any, of the podcast in advance. So this has genuinely just been sprung on me this second. That's that's why um, I'm going to give you an honest opinion. I've got my yeah number. my uh, my honest opinion is all things considered, I think we have had an. 8 out of 10 start to the season. I am going to go for a 7. And the reason I'm going to go for a 7 is because I am massively borderline 8. And the only thing is, I think the performance against Bournemouth was so bad. If we lost 1-0, for example, or 2-1 and we played well, it would be an 8 out of 10. But I think that the fact that we were really rotten just takes the edge off the fact that yes we played away at Wolves and won on a penalty shootout but we did play Fleetwood at home in the first round of that so you would expect us to be in you know in the latter stages of the competition we've done okay in the league so I'm going to go for a, a, a high seven but you've gone for an eight that's fine yeah I can understand your that. Opinion, I was, it doesn't really matter I was, I was going to say 
I was going to say seven and a half, but you you stopped me on the no halves thing. Uh, and I've been uh, teaching rounding in in maths uh, in the last couple of weeks, and obviously everybody knows that from seven and a half you'd round up to eight. So that's that's well, what I did. You've learned. You you you've le- you've taught yourself. I have, yeah, and it, it is an education for myself as well. You should you should have a look at the year six national curriculum currently. I don't. I mean, I know, I know odds, and that's about about it when it comes to the numbers. But <laughs> uh, you know, um, but there we go. And uh, so so yeah, we I think um, hopefully listeners will give us uh, will be roughly on the same wavelength. But if not, then you can get in contact at FFS Pod is where many people um, do get in contact, and they have done with our three-word reviews. Nice little segue there to the uh, three-word reviews. Now, um, after the game against Bournemouth, obviously there was uh, a number came through. Um, Bring back Kante. um, (laughs) That's a good one. uh, From uh, LCFC uh, Philipson. Uh, Away from that, there was a number came through regarding the likes of Claude Puel. Keep Puel safe was one uh, careless defense costs true need two fullbacks um ghost of 66 that's a obviously one where we mentioned ricardo didn't play very well so bring in two more solidified fullbacks people were talking about simpson for example um and then from then on it, it, it progressed three at the back um and then obviously then after that game it all changes this is the way that three word reviews work you go from one game to the next and we we want people to give us your review pretty much after the game. And so you play against Huddersfield and you win at home. People say another slow start. Packer Ken says that. Great second half, which he uh, basically gets the whole game pretty much summed up uh, exactly how it, went, uh, how it went. The Real Boys Club from Roy, the Wigston Fox. Um, comfortable but uninspiring from Sam. Um, uh, shush to Puel haters. Uh, defensively still suspects uh, from Stu Teasdale. Uh, a, a lot of these were, were absolutely bang on. Something still missing from Hazit Patel. Uh, Madders for England, which is what you would expect as well. Um, so a lot of these people saying it was really good, but it was made, it wasn't quite right. And I think that's probably due to the opposition being Huddersfield, maybe going down to the early goal as well. And yes, it was a performance and yes, it was a victory, but I think something quite something still missing. I think really does quite sum it up well. That's uh, Hazik Patel. And then after the game uh, in midweek, we've got uh, confusing team selection, but yeah, that's fine. Obviously, we're going to make changes against uh, Wolves. Ultimately, it worked out that way, and um, and that's I think back again gets it bang on. Uh, that's what uh, that's why they paid for him, um, in regards to the goalkeeper because. We paid the money for him and ultimately he's got us through to the next round. And if we progress from there, then it could well be money well spent. Yeah, I think thank you uh, to everybody for submitting your three word reviews. And and that's something that we'd say as well. Uh, Occasionally due to life getting in the way of football, boo. Uh, We don't always manage to get podcasts out weekly, but... Uh, we and when I say we, mainly Pete is very active on uh, on social media. So when it's not like we're sort of silent and in hiding for for a fortnight, we are um, available to to interact with via social media, and I, and I think that's a good yeah, that's very good that's place very to true. Go. And, and, and just just a word on social media because it's it's a word where many people will be thinking now. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on Facebook. Yes, you're accessing the podcast, and thank you very much for listening. 
But um, you can get in contact via email for foxsakepodcast at gmail.com is the email address. And through social media, you can ask anything. So during the week, I can then forward the question on to Rob. Um, if you want to ask us a question or talk, ask us about a subject. So, oh, by the way, lads, on the next podcast, can you talk about um, how you and Roberts was great with no teeth in the 90s? Or how rubbish the pies are now after Pucker Pies haven't got the deal? Whatever your gripe is or whatever question you have or what actually do you do on match day? How often do you see a game? What's your view? What do you do? Who are you? Who the hell are you? Who have I been listening to for 96 episodes? You can ask us absolutely anything and we will reply either via social media or we'll just answer on here. We're two lads who have the fortune position to commentate on Leicester live at the King Power Stadium for a number of years now. And we've put together a podcast where... We just say our honest views, and that's why we've got a very loyal listenership, which we thank every single one for listening all around the world. I've had the you know, the pleasure of meeting people in Madrid when we played Atletico. A number of people who from all around the world, you know, stopping me saying that can only be you with that voice. And I honestly, it's it's a story I tell constantly. It's it's one of my favourite stories, probably my only story really I can tell, which you know makes me look half decent to be honest but it's 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 fantastic so please get in contact with anything and if you find something annoying in the podcast like oh pete don't half ramble on there'll be a lot of people now saying that get in contact tell us what you think good or bad ask us anything and we will do our best to answer them well i will yeah sorry sorry i'm just constructing that email to say uh, i get really uh, annoyed when pete rambles on and i don't get to speak you're creating a you're creating a fake email address now, aren't you? That's right. I've just signed up to Gmail with the name Jim Smith or something. Um, what, quickly Smith, before we the go, bold, then the bald we... eagle himself. No, what? No, that's Jim Donnelly. No, Jim Smith. The... Oh, sorry, I forgot your ten. Jim Smith, the old Derby manager, the bald eagle. Oh yes, no, I do know who Jim Smith is. Yeah, yeah, him, exactly him. Yeah, he's he must be listening. I'm sure he does. Everybody not, else does. Not Jim Donnelly, uh, the uh, supporters service it, guy. Him of the famous celebration behind Ranieri. No, it, although he is also a bold Jim. Hence my slight confusion. An incredible uh, Scottish. Before, he is well Scottish, but he's very much adopted Leicester in in every single way. He's like the glorious stepfather of of Leicester. Uh, shall we look ahead to this weekend? It's um, a trip up to St James's, a stadium that I still want to go to, that I've never been to, by the way, uh, but I'm not going this weekend. Um, so I'll put that one on the back burner for another year, or maybe longer if they go down. They have been extremely defensive so far this season. Uh, they will always be well organised under Rafa Benitez. Let's, let's face that fact. Uh, are they missing a bit of firepower? Um, yes, definitely. Should Benitez have left there 18 months ago when he knew first of all that there was no money in the pot? Also, absolutely. If they keep him, they'll stay in the Premier League. I very much believe that, regardless of the squad they've got. They've got one of the best managers in the world still. Should we be going up there to beat them? Absolutely. Do I fear another repeat of Bournemouth? Not so much, but it's still in the back of my mind. It still lingers. Can we go to a place like St James's Park and record back-to-back wins against teams like Huddersfield and Newcastle in the league to prove that we are and should be capable of comfortably beating the teams that are likely to finish 
14th down. Uh, I hope so. I think so. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind when you talk about Newcastle is obviously Vardy with his hands in the air after scoring that goal and then Mares jumping on the back of him. But, um, you know, two words of advice if you're going to Newcastle. One, take oxygen because it's really high up. And two, make sure you're staying over and going out on the uh, hit and miss that night because it's a great night out. But um, when you talk about the game itself, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, someone ran a poll on Twitter regarding if you right now could have Benitez or Puel as manager, who would you go for? And I I, I apologise, I can't remember off the top of my head who, who ran that. It was a popular Leicester City uh, Twitter handle and um, if they're listening then... Obviously, a big hello to whoever that was. I can't remember off the top of my head. But anyway, it was very even with a lot of people voting. Um, Benitez, a, a, a top manager who's doing a brilliant job at Newcastle. Very defensive because that's all they've got. Um, they've got Rondon up front to try and bring other people into the game and not score the odd goal. But you know, what do you do if you're Benitez? You're doing as well as you can do. You know, you've gone to Palace last week and drew 0-0 away. Most teams would accept that away at Palace. And um, can we go there and win? Of course we can. If you score first, it will put them under problems. And when you've got Vardy in the side and with the players we've got, then hopefully we can go there and get a victory. Would a point be a bad result? No. But we should really be going there, trying for the victory, keep it tight at the back. I don't see any reason why we should be put off by Newcastle at all. And if they decide to come forward, then we can hit them on the break and go for it. I want Iniacho playing. I want Vardy playing. I'd like to see Gazelle still be given a, a starting role. Um, the side behind that, I think, really speaks for itself. Go for the victory. Get the three points. And if we get the three points, what a, a good week we've had in terms of the results against Huddersfield, progressing in the Cup, and a win against Newcastle. We should hold no fear for going to a ground where the team should have good memories, really, even though a lot of the team now weren't in that side. That wasn't there a few years ago. But Newcastle ain't no shakes. They're, they're being well managed by a top manager. I know they did us at the King Power at the late part of last season, and I think that was a managerial masterclass by Benitez. If you go back to the For Fox A podcast of that week, it was all Benitez. Yes, the players did it on the field, but... I think the manager did a right number on us there. And um, hopefully we can you know, repair the favour. And who knows, maybe he's a manager in the, in the future. We never know. But uh, I don't think there's any reason why Leicester can't go there and get and, 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 and try for the three points. And I'm not going to say get the three points. My prediction is going to be a Leicester win. And I think it's going to be tight. And I th- I'm going to go for Leicester 1-0. I'm going to say Vardy 1-0. And I can't see any reason why that can't be true. No, I think there'll only be a goal in it. I was going to say 2-1, but looking at uh, the fact that we should, in theory, be able to keep Newcastle out, I wouldn't disagree with your 1-0 either. I just don't want Leicester fans to expect too much. Um, There was one three-word review after the Huddersfield game that was um, something but not spectacular, comfortable, not spectacular, or something like that. Um, do If you beat Huddersfield 3-1, does it need to be spectacular? Not really. You go away to Newcastle, who are going to be there to grind out whatever result they can get their hard-working hands on. Is it going to be spectacular? More than likely not. Does it need to be? No. If you come away from the North East with three points, 1-0, 2-1, 5-0, whatever you like, 
then it's then it's happy days. But if you come away having grafted hard and you come away with a point, then you take it and you move on. I agree. I agree. So three points then, yeah? Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> okay, we go for three points and hopefully three points become true. And hopefully we'll discuss the three points next week on the podcast. I should be okay for the podcast next week. And I think, Rob, you should be okay, he says, without knowing. I don't see any reason why not. Excellent. Well, I'm off to Paris to the Ryder Cup tomorrow. So um, I will be cheering on uh, Europe. And uh, fingers crossed we'll bring that trophy home. And fingers crossed we get a nice draw on Saturday. Live on Quest at 9 o'clock. And Leicester can bring a trophy home in terms of the Carabao Cup. How about that for a bit of a segue between competitions? Yeah, very good. Enjoy... Enjoy the wine and the snails, uh, and don't spend too much time sober, will you? There's no problem with that. Uh, I'm not too sure about the snails or the wine. I think there will be one or two shandies drank on the Saturday especially, and then in terms of the Sunday, I just hope I don't get myself on TV or anyone I'm surrounded by get on TV in terms of ball being hit into the crowd or running across the fairway because they've had too much over the last two days. Sounds like you're going to enjoy yourself. We'll keep an eye out on the telly. It's going to be a mess, but hopefully not on the golf course. Anyway, yeah, fingers crossed for the Ryder Cup and fingers crossed for a nice home draw in the League Cup. Fingers crossed for the game up at the Toon and we'll speak to you all next week.